Friends, allies, and Americans, welcome to the Defense of Democracy podcast, where we tell the stories of folks who defend your children's rights by advocating for inclusive public school systems and who fight for diversity across our nation. I'm your host, Karen Swoboda. Let's get into it. Hello, friends, allies, and Americans. It is my pleasure today to welcome to the podcast Sarah, who is a founder of an organization called American Advocates for Equality. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Now, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on. You are certainly an outspoken advocate for civil rights, uh, for public schools. Tell us a little bit about your organization, American Advocates for Equality. So this is a group that I started in December of 2022 after we started having some library censorship issues that we're seeing nationwide. And we started with just a small handful of people that wanted to go to these library meetings and show that we supported having LGBTQ books. Well, here we are months and months and months down the road, and now we have a group of over 1,100 members on Facebook. Um, That's amazing. And you are from, you're from Arkansas, Yes, originally from Oklahoma, but I've lived close to the border my entire life, so I'm kind of a border hopper in that sense, but I'm in Arkansas currently. Gotcha. And you have, so, so it's funny because that's when defensive democracy started right around that same time. So I think that our country was all of a sudden noticing that people needed to start taking action and actually doing things rather, you know, than just kind of uh, whining about it from behind their computer screens. So when you say you, um, you started because there were big book bans going on, give me an example. Like what was the first thing you noticed that really kind of sparked your interest and was like, whoa, we need to probably step up here? Yes. The very first thing I remember, um, there is a couple named Dr. Jeffrey and Tammy Hamby, and they sent out letters to the Quorum Court and to local churches stating so much homophobic rhetoric. We were accused of being groomers, of, um, you know, being the same as sexual abuse against children, just really disgusting language. And they were talking poorly about the director, not wanting her to have her position. And it was just a, a lot of ugliness that we saw, a lot of hate that we saw. And whenever I first read the letter, that went out, I immediately called the library and just told them, hey, I want you to know I support having these books there. And immediately they go, oh, I think you need to talk to someone else. You need to talk to Deidre. And Deidre Grismala was the library director. And she is now without a job because of this situation. So it was at that point that we knew we needed to step up and do something because they were taking this to the public, talking poorly about the entire LGBTQ community and putting people's jobs at risk. So there's a lot to unpack with what you just unfolded. Okay, so starting with the letter, um, is there a copy of that available? Because sometimes I like to put it on our website, you know, in our podcast notes so that people can actually see it. Absolutely. I can get you letters. All right. So we're going to be able to share a copy of that horrible letter. So I I, I feel like we skipped over something because you said ultimately that the library director lost their job because yes. of that. How did, how did that happen? She was accused of misspending money in the budget and 
there was no proof of that whatsoever, but she was just put in the spotlight and was targeted by Dr. Jeffrey and Tammy Hamby, along with the hate group River Valley City Elders that has been a big push in this movement. They also have ties to Moms for Liberty. So they essentially just wanted to get rid of this library director because she was the one allowing the LGBTQ books to stay in the children's section. Um, So they ended up giving her a $40,000 severance to leave. And that came from the library's budget. So on top, right. So that's what, that's what, that's another important thing to share with our listeners, right? When, when something like this happens, it affects the taxpayers, right? Like whether or not you care about the libraries or your schools, when these people get in and they force the resignation of a librarian or a library director or a school superintendent, the community funds that. Yes. Okay. And so they have just moved so selfishly to, to remove from their position, somebody who obviously has the correct background and a love of learning, um, which is hurtful to the community. And on top of that, they have now cost taxpayers an additional $40,000. And it's, it's even above the 40,000 because now they have spent thousands and thousands in attorney fees that also come from the library funding. Well, Sarah, I'm going to ask you for another favor. In addition to the letter that I would like you to provide me, one of the things that um, our legal team is working on is gathering the um, the money and the cost that goes into dealing with these this kind of harassment. Uh, for a we have it, it's a big picture thing that we're kind of putting together. So, for you as well as anyone who's listening on our podcast, if you could kind of give us a little bit of a drill down of the costs associated with that particular fight and email it to info at defenseofdemocracy.org. All of those little expenses, the legal fees, um, the replacement costs, you know, the, the, the training of a new staff person to take over that role. Um, that's something we're, we're actually collecting. So you know, please share that with us when you get a chance. Absolutely. We can definitely show, we have documentation of everything that's happened over almost the last year. So we would love to share all of that. And I would say that's one of the strengths of our group is we have been documenting and reporting, documenting and reporting. And that's really what has gotten this story out there. Tammy Hamby, the one who sent out the letters is the library board chair. Oh, there we go. That's the story right there. That's the missing link. Okay. And her husband is a doctor in the area, a medical doctor. And he's including his name on these letters stating very homophobic rhetoric. It's that small town, you know, stuff. So, so there was, um, you know, so there was this issue that happened, this librarian fired, you guys got started up. Um, you started your organization, probably very grassroots. I, I have been there. I know what that's like to have 1,100 people um, behind you is actually very, very impressive. What are some of the current challenges that you guys are working on? Um, we have members who attend all of the quorum court meetings, and we had one this last week. And in that meeting, they tabled the offer of the library receiving a grant for $10,000 to have more accessible doors. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So the library received this grant? 
they were supposed to be receiving the money from this grant for $10,000. And um, this is our big story that we're kind of investigating right now and looking into because one of the justices of the peace said he had a constituent contact him saying, if you accept this money, then you have to accept whatever books they want to give you and buy. Okay, so wait a second. So so when you say accessible doors, you're talking about, you know, like ADA compliance. Yes. Like the Americans with Disabilities Act yes. compliance so that people who have mobility issues can get to the library. And all of a sudden, this is a problem because... The gay Somehow books. it means there's going to be pornography in this in the in the library. Exactly. That's insane. Exactly. And so they did not say no, we won't go through with the grant, but they tabled it for another month. So these things run on time frames. And it's also showing that the the constituents really are not their main concern if they're not concerned about helping them get into the library, if they're not concerned about their physical needs. Um, so we have had some interaction via email with some of the justices of the peace, and they're talking about this situation. So that's one of our really big um, stories, I guess, that we're focusing on right now is working on how can we make sure that we hold them accountable to get this funding, but to show that it's not simply affecting the LGBTQ community, it's affecting people with disabilities as well. And I have two previous videos that I've shared on TikTok of different events where we had to point out the discrimination there. And one would be, there was a book about children with disabilities called Like Me, and it was moved to the social section, which is what is basically banned from the children's section. What? Yes. What was the, why? Did they have give a reason? Uh, no, there's no defense. There's no defense of these books, of these topics whatsoever. How did you find out that they moved it from one section to the next? Because we go and we look at the section. (laughs) (laughs) You just physically go in and you take inventory and you see when something gets moved. Yes, because we are a group made up of people who are active in the library community already. And so we have like homeschooling moms who go there every week. So we have people holding them accountable 100%. And we have five different library branches, which makes it a bit trickier. And it's spread out throughout a very big county, which is Crawford County. And um, it has just been, it's been a lot of work, but we have seen so much progress come from just holding people accountable, from showing the injustice that's happening and naming it. And um, we've really come a long way. So let me so let me point something out right there is that that is so important. Uh, we talk about we talk uh, often about the fact that people cannot be complacent anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot afford to be uh, a bystander in in your community and what's going on because of the escalation because it doesn't stop with your black and brown families or your lgbt families it is it absolutely morphs into anybody who's different anybody who is not white straight and christian with a perfectly healthy body what does that sound like sounds a little bit like nazi germany to me all right so you know when you start really marginalizing people and attacking them uh it is not going to go away taking action being aware yes it sucks right like how many kids do you have i have one one child 
okay, you've got a child, you are working, you now have to run a nonprofit organization, you know, you have to mobilize this 1100 people, you have to get people to go to the library. This is nothing any of us signed on for, (laughs) you know, it's exhausting. And I I had a very, um, I just get so emotional about it sometimes because, you know, the toll this takes on, on a family, um, on the children in the community. Uh, so many people suffer when you have these kinds of attacks happening. Um, but people like yourself who have the courage and the fortitude and the leadership skills to mobilize are absolutely critical. And now speaking of people who I love for things that they are doing, I would like to take a moment to go into one of my favorite parts of the show, which is our volunteer shout out. Today's volunteer shout out goes to Annette and Ariel. Annette and Ariel work as co-chairs of the Defense of Democracy, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Volunteer Committee. We are so grateful to the time, thought, and energy that you two put into assuring that our organization connects with and includes members of our black and brown communities and members of our LGBTQIA communities in all aspects of our work. We are grateful for your commitment. And we're back with Sarah from Arkansas. Sarah, welcome back. And so let's continue the conversation. What is something that you would love me to share with our listeners uh, to, to raise more awareness? And where do you need help? What can we do? Um, I would say getting more media to this story would be great. We are currently in the middle of a lawsuit, and we would love for the results of this lawsuit to set precedent for the state and possibly for the nation. The date is April 22nd when we should have um, more updates on the lawsuit whenever that first... April 22nd of 2024? Yes, correct. April 22nd. That is whenever the pending lawsuit will be handled. And so if we could really get support in letting this be in national media, um, if nothing else- You need it amplified, right? This is why you were jumping to get on this podcast, because this is what you're trying to do. Exactly. So additional documentation that you can send me that is helpful. Again, I'll put it in our podcast notes and we will share it um, certainly publicly with our followers, Um, you know, information about the lawsuit. And I want to, that's also making me think of something um, really important. I was just having a conversation with one of our attorneys and we have several uh, really wonderful attorneys who are defense of democracy volunteers uh, who do a lot of, do all of our work pro bono because God knows we need it you know, I was having a conversation with them and, and really, um, it's, it's, it's very hard because no one likes to think of themselves as litigious or, or sue happy, but they were very clear and said, you know what, that's where it hurts. If, if somebody wrongs you in this environment and it is a civil, you know, it, it, it attacks in any way your civil rights or the civil rights of members of your community, hit them with a lawsuit. Seriously. Um, and, and if anyone's listening and there are, there are legitimate, uh, concerns or issues, or if you have been like, honestly, even being called a groomer or pedophile, you've been accused of a crime. 
uh, when someone does that. And never mind the fact that I have to just add this in here, never mind the fact that there are people who truly suffer from predatory tactics, children who suffer from predatory tactics by adults to, to throw around a groom, like, uh, like a, a word, like pedophile, you know, as, as almost just some kind of like, you know, um, any kind of other word or insult, you're minimizing the situation that, that people have gone through who have truly been hurt. And it's, and in your, 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 you know, redirecting resources, you know, away from where, where people's attention really should be. Uh, because that is a true problem that we have in this community. Um, and, and you get these people who jump on this bandwagon and think everybody's a groomer or a pedophile because why, you know, because they're, you know, they're gay or they're, you know, they, they own a book or whatever. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, so, so, anyone who's listening to this, you know, please don't take the high road. <laughs> it often leads to you having to take an even higher road down the road when things escalate. And final thought on this one, violent words beget violent actions. We say that often. I just got um, a message from one of my volunteers in Oklahoma. Uh, they have a lot of similar issues there. And as a result of this kind of name calling, let's just say it started with, there were five bomb threats at five different schools this morning. Oh my goodness. So, yes. So that's where you get, and and don't think that just a quote, a bomb scare calling it in is not, um, you know, is not hurtful because you traumatize the children, you traumatize the parents. Uh, there's a lot of innocent bystanders in, in this battle. So um, so I just wanted to, you know, make sure everybody knows that and all of that stuff, obviously that's why we're here. That's why defensive democracy works so hard to, to really get people to trust us. Um, because we are, we, we heavily vet anything that we share to make sure it is factual and true. Um, and so what you have going on is one of those things that we would like to share. And so that people can trust that this is exactly what's happening and don't think it's just happening in Arkansas or Texas or Florida. It is happening in New York and Connecticut and, you know, uh, New Mexico and in Colorado. So, um, you know, it, it's a wake up call, you know, having you on here and explaining that. I am happy your, to be able to share. Yeah. How old is your child? He's six. Oh my God. I love that age. I love that age. I loved all the ages, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I love that. They're so curious. And yes. And one thing I actually had, um, there's a video of me on TikTok you can find of a woman who was, we found out later, a substitute teacher who was standing up at the front of the library yelling, calling everyone groomers, all of that. And I was standing up front about to go and give a speech myself. And I actually had my son with me. And we went up there and she kind of pointed at him and said, he doesn't understand stuff like that. And the mama bear in me kind of snapped a little bit. And I said, you don't know what he understands. He understands things related to gender, related to equality, related to love so much better than many grown adults do. And um, I think people really, they, they don't give kids the credit that they deserve when it comes to how much of this they're able to understand and how much of it they're able to see and recognize for themselves. I think it is so harmful to 
try to quote unquote protect children from communities that are different from them. Um, first of all, you're absolutely right. They know a heck of a lot more than we give them credit for. And as they get older, they are going to know a heck of a lot more. And what I have driven home in all of my children as a parent is you can talk to me because guess what? It's an unfortunate fact that parents today do not have control over what information their child gets. And it's not because of the library. It's because of the internet. So there is, there is no control there. If you take your child's phone away, if you have no internet in your house, if that child interacts with another child with a phone, there you go. So that is a, that is a dilemma. Okay. But, but, and to me, and I don't have a solution for it to me, my, my solution is to talk to the kid and just say, listen, there are things you're going to see. You can't unsee. I am here. If you ever have questions, um, you know, and, and provide some kind of internal roadmap for them, uh, you know, a compass that they can guide themselves by as they navigate that, because it is nothing like, like adults had as we were growing up. And it's, I want to stress not the freaking libraries. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can see worse things walking through aisles at Walmart than you can a library. Yes. But it is a control issue, right? And it's an, it's an easy mark because guess what? Like our librarians and our educators by and large are warm-hearted, loving, gentle souls, right? You don't become a librarian because you're like, you know, ready to go balls to the wall in, in any fight, right? You, you love learning, you love books, you love children. That's what drives someone to, to, that, to that role. Exactly. And one thing I have said is, you know, you're not on the right side if you're coming after teachers and librarians. Yes. It boggles the mind. How, how are we seen as the villains? It's, it's just insane. Twisted upside down world that we are living in. And again, advocates like yourself, uh, the thousands of volunteers who are members of Defense of Democracy, my amazing board, um, my incredible staff, all eight of us, <laughs> um, we, we need to, we have a huge burden on our, on our shoulders, but it's better that it is on our shoulders than on the shoulders of our children. Exactly. Yes. So Sarah, at the end of our show, I always like to end on a positive note. So I am wondering for you and your family, what are you looking forward to this fall? What do you, what are you guys looking forward to as a family and specifically as a, you're a former teacher, correct? Yes, I am. So, so what are you looking forward to as a former teacher and as a mom with a, with a beautiful young boy in your life? Yes, he recently started first grade at a local school, and he was homeschooled before that through pre-K and kindergarten. We're very much an unschooling family. Um, so this is his first year going to a more consistent schooling, and we're really excited to work on his literacy, to work on reading and getting him interested in that and having a love for that it was something I struggled with as a kid. And so I'm hoping that throughout this next year at school, being around his peers and having a variety of educators working with him, that he will continue to, to have that love. You know what? I'm going to give you mom a mom tip. As an older mom of kids who, have, who I've gone through that, one of my 
favorite memories. So we would have snow days. And when my kids were in elementary school, um, you know, there was no electronics. Uh, we would read. And one of the things I would do on snow days is I would pick a book, one of my favorite books, and I would read out loud to them. And it wasn't like a storybook, like a picture book. It was like I, two books that I remember I read uh, very specifically. One was The Golden Compass and one was Watership Down. And I just love that experience of being hold, hold up in the house with, with my two little ones and reading a story and just like having them like just watching and listening. And, and, you know, and then I would get to the end of the chapter and I'd be like, and we'll have to finish more tomorrow. So, you know, that I, I wish, I wish you would do that so that I could live vicariously through you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That would be something really good for us to start incorporating more. Well, Sarah, it has been a joy to have you on this show. I, I wish you well. I wish you the best of luck. You're a beautiful person, a wonderful mom. You're taking care of your community. Let us know if there's anything else we can do to help you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Defense of Democracy podcast. If you like what you've heard, you can find out more at defenseofdemocracy.org. Please consider becoming a support partner by texting the letters D-O-F-D, that's Defense, O-F, Democracy, to 44321. Stay strong and remember, there is more good than bad out there and you're standing on the right side of history.